Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. Like, oh, and, and when you say fundamentally, should, should we just ask them to come do the interview? <laughs> well, I just, you know, what I, why I wanted you on here is because you're like, you're like in the trenches. So yeah. I feel like a lot of listeners, so you're sure. in the middle of this in the middle and yeah. doing it yourself. So I'm hoping that a lot of listeners will be able to align with a lot of the struggles Absolutely. you're going through, but that maybe you've overcome as well. Yeah. So that's why I'm getting into the Absolutely. weeds on like the process mm -hmm. of becoming a comedian, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a very complicated answer. Hot breath. What is up, Hot Breath of Verse? Welcome back to the Hot Breath Podcast. This is your host, comedian Joel Byers. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome aboard. This is the Hot Breath Podcast, your weekly guide to comedy mastery. And you know what time it is. Hot Breath. <sighs> I am so excited about our first official interview of 2020, Hot Brethren and Sistren. Last week, I posted a fun compilation where I highlighted the top boo stories of the show over the past four years. We had Cedric the Entertainer on there. We had Miss Pat on there, Andrew Schultz, Mark Norman, just so many amazing comics sharing their worst bombing stories. So that's a story we always like to ask on this show and thought we'd start off 2020 with a bang because we are nowhere without our failures. Failure is the best teacher, so it's always encouraging to hear comedians at their level still reflecting and still knowing that no one is immune to the f struggles on stage. We all go through it regardless of experience level, regardless of time and comedy, so that is why I posted that. It's very fun. It, and funny, but it's also inspirational and very informative. So if you haven't listened to that one, go ahead, check it out after this episode. Because the episode today, we've done almost 200 episodes. And I gotta say, I'm almost as excited about this one as any I've ever released. If not, the most excited. Because the comedian we have on the show today is a comedian in grained in the trenches you know this whole show and really me personally in my career is all about the independent hustle and really trying to pave a path for other comics to follow that that's what i'm doing with my comedy special i produced it myself i'm releasing it myself all independently all with the mission to inspire other comics to bet on themselves and go all in so if you haven't checked out that, it is linked in the show notes as well, or it's on my website, joelbyerscomedy.com. But my guest today shares that exact same sentiment, that exact same mindset. This guy, I met him at the finals of the World Series of Comedy in St. Louis, and seeing him on stage, I was like, wow, this guy has a special, unique point of view and a unique talent. And then we talked after the show, turns out... He's 
ingrained in the St. Louis scene. So then we went around to different open mics around the city that night, and I saw the impact he had on the scene. Every show we went to, people came up and were like, oh my gosh, Andrew, what's up, dude? He introduced me. He was always so generous. We went to one open mic that had like 20 people on the list. He just walks up to the host, and he's like, hey, that guy, let him... Put him on whenever whenever um, you can. And the host came up to me and he's like, when would you like to go on? And out of a list of 20 people, I got to go up like fifth. And then we got to hang out on the patio and just get to know each other more, Andrew and I and other local comics. So I wanted to have Andrew on the show because he shares the same mission that Hot Breath does and that you do if you're listening to this or you're, just, you're a fan of Andrew and you're going to learn a lot about him that you probably didn't know. But the big thing that inspired me about Andrew was just his independent hustle. This guy had started comedy at the age of 14 years old. And this is a, he's had his own specials released. This guy's performed in almost 300 cities, 11 countries around the world. And he's done it all himself. You know, it's really been just the bootstrap approach to comedy, which is what I'm all about. So I'm hoping. This episode today, you're going to learn a lot about getting more personal on stage. You're going to learn a lot about just really doing comedy your own way and what is unique to you. And my big thing I like to do with my material is I like to create material and I put it through this filter of, okay, what can I say that no one else could say like no one could steal this joke because they didn't have this experience or they don't have my perspective on it you know it's like we all draw from the same world but how can you make it unique I may have marriage jokes but how can I make marriage jokes uniquely mine so this gentleman has found his voice in comedy and such a unique and insightful perspective and he has a message with his comedy and you learn from it and I'm not saying that's right or wrong some people are just more silly in comedy and they just like to make well-crafted you know silly jokes like a Mitch Hedberg but you still learn something about Mitch Hedberg when you do listen to him so that's what I always like to encourage comics is to how can I create material that's uniquely mine it's a process but I think after this episode you'll be further along in that process. So thank you all so much for all the support. If you do find this episode helpful, if you find it insightful, if you just find it entertaining, share it with other people. Word of mouth is our best marketing friend here in 2020 as we are kicking off strong here on the first episode. So if this is your first time or you've been listening a while and you're enjoying all this free content you're getting... Maybe consider the Patreon. It's linked in the show notes. It's a very easy way for you to connect. You know, we just had Edward Rubin join the Patreon host level. He just joined. And we also had a fun and, if you will, very generous uh, donation. If you go to the uh, Hot Breath Pod website, if you go to Hot Breath Podcast, Dot com. There's a way for you to actually donate to the podcast. And Ruhal Dooley donated a very generous amount to the podcast and said, My brother from another mother, hot breath. So all that support does not go unappreciated. It really does make a difference. Thank you all so much for this community we have been building here. And I am so excited to present to you, as there is only one thing left to do, 
And that is inhale a hot breath with yeah, just, Andrew just be cool, bro. Be cool. Frank. This will work because I just did a two-hour interview with Jerry, the joke Dr. Corley, in the same setting. But if we're holding the mics, it's now a different setting. Yep. Oh, hold on real quick. That is for oh, you. An official hot breath water bottle. That's You're great. official. Yeah. You now have your own hot breath water. That's great. It's Fontis water, the coolest, hot, coolest water for the hottest podcast. <laughs> Blue Ridge Mountain Spring Water from Georgia. Very nice. So Our, this is it? Like it actually started? This is the podcast? No, but it started. Yes. Okay. It's a, Hello. I'm, I'm, about to, uh, <laughs> I'm about to do your intro. Okay, great. And then um, we're going to kick this off. Cool. Are you nervous? No. You excited? Yeah, I'm excited. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, you just, you just won a round of World Series of Comedy, so I feel like you're going to be in a good place. Yeah, I'm in a good mood. That's great. Yes. All right. Here we go. Hot breath averse. Welcome back to the Hot Breath Podcast, your weekly guide to comedy mastery. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers. Let's, did I just sit? Let me scoot around a little bit. I didn't like me sitting in front yeah. of the, I like the tree in the middle, between the palm tree. But then I just probably, for Jerry's interview, I was probably sitting lopsided. And guess how much it matters? Zero. <laughs> no one's going to be like, oh, great interview, but the host was sitting right in front of that tree and it just ruined it for me. <laughs> or the host interrupted his intro to re reframe the yep. shot. So this is the Hot Breath Podcast, your weekly guide to comedy mastery. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers, and today's guest, hot brethren and sisterin. This is a cat I met here in St. Louis at the World Series of Comedy. I don't always do this with the show where I meet someone and I'm like, you got to do this show. But I saw him on stage, blown away by the material, but what blew me away even more was in looking into his origin story of starting comedy at 14, working at a local club here, The Funny Bone, and just studying comedy, a real student of the craft, and his DIY approach to comedy. He has toured around the world with his comedy. He's created his own tours beyond just like, oh, I have a booking agent or whatever. No, this guy has bootstrapped every opportunity he's gotten, all the way to most recently the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and several in uh, Vancouver as well. Vancouver Fringe, yes. Yeah, the Vancouver Fringe. So this is a comedian who his work ethic you're going to learn a lot about and how you can create your own success. But also we, we went around the St. Louis scene here where he started and then he went to Chicago and now lives in Seattle. But in seeing how the community of St. Louis reacted and seeing him, even we went to an open mic and it was a full list. He didn't do a spot, but he vouched for me to get up and do a spot. That just shows in the comedy world the respect that this cat has in comedy. So there's a lot to learn from the craft side, but also in just how to be a comedian <laughs> that people actually want to work with. So with all that being said, welcome to the hot breath of verse. Andrew Frank, everyone. Thank Andrew you, Frank. Thanks for, yeah, high five. You made it. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited about this because in us hanging out randomly, we randomly did a show in Chicago a few years ago. Yeah. We randomly run into each other here and you're mm. like, yo, we did, a, we did a show at Hamburger Mary's. You know that, mm. I think it's, a, it's like a, a 
drag bar? Yeah. I think they I do, think so. like, I don't know what the, the PC term is, but great, we have someone walk in to hear me say that. Triggered, sorry. But long story short, we do a random show together. Now we randomly run into each other. Mm-hmm. And getting to go around to the comedy scene and getting to hang out with you, I was just like, we got to get him on here. You, you seem mm-hmm. to be very self-aware, and you seem to have a, a motivation behind your comedy that I think comedians can really learn from. Are you aware of this? Are you intentional about this? Yeah, absolutely. But can you tell me what you think the motivation is, and then we'll see if it's accurate? It's, well, it, I was going to say pure, yeah. but that's a little vague. I yeah. think the motivation is that you just you want to create good, memorable co- comedy sure. beyond just like a lot of people do comedy right now because it's the cool thing to do. Yeah. But you actually want to have a message behind what you're doing. Yeah, I guess there's a message in everything. Um, but I w- definitely want to create the comedy that I want to see. Comedy really influenced the way I thought about the world mm. as a young person. And I know what it feels like to be young and to, um, to be introduced to new ideas through art. And I wanted to I want to be that for more people, you know, it, because comedy sort of serves as as a very positive way to explore uh, ideas that are, are contradictory to the ones that you hold. Mm. But you actually end up feeling good when you resolve those paradoxes, you know, because it's very frightening to um, if, you, if you're raised a certain way, if you're taught certain things, uh, it's it can be frightening to go out and learn other things or try other uh, experiences. Uh, and comedy happens to create uh, <laughs> dopamine (laughs) (laughs) and good stuff uh that helps you uh yeah explore the things that you're afraid of that's what jerry was saying in in our interview we just did was that he talked about laughter triggers the same like impact that like falling in love does it affects your brain the same way but you're thinking of love is scary too (laughs) love is scary especially if you bomb at it yeah what is (laughs) Let them, let them know a little bit about your background sure. as well, because that, yeah. that's an interesting context for your comedy. Yeah, I, um, I started very young at 14. 14 was my first official stand-up set at mm-hmm. my freshman year uh, high school talent show at a, at a fundamentalist Christian school. did a 10-minute set for the talent show, uh, and ever since then I fell in love with it and started going to this coffee house that was right by my house. The St. Charles Coffee House is no longer existing, but... Uh, mm. It, a ton of high school kids went there. They were all poets and musicians. And there was one other comedian. And uh, we would go there every Tuesday and Thursday and do, you know, 10, 15-minute sets. And uh, it was really cool to perform in front of our peers. Um, then I started going to the club. Um, but, yeah, my, my dad is a pastor, uh, grew up in the church. And I got up on stage in the church quite a bit, especially at church camp. Oh. That was, like, pre-stand-up, uh, like, ages 11, 12, 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, every summer camp I would get in front of the whole uh congregation and do five minutes of stories and stuff um and then i that i was addicted to that and i just wanted that's why i wanted to go back to camp every year is to do that Uh, and then i basically was oh and then like this is uh there was there was a comedian a christian comedian uh tim hawkins uh he does like parody christian songs he's like a christian weird owl essentially he grew up with my basketball coaches and so the fact that i knew like that I, the fact that I knew a guy who had a job as a comedian, and he's very, very successful. Very. Um, do you know him? Do you know yeah, Tim Hawkins? Yeah, I'm familiar yeah. with him, yeah. Uh, the fact that I knew a guy that was doing this as a profession, that something clicked when I was young that, oh, this is a, 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 a way that you can be. This is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, so it's possible. Yeah. And what, I mean, you, you grew up, like, strictly religious. I mean, there, mm-hmm. I mean you talk about in your comedy, yep. but... What is the reaction to, oh, I'm 14, I want to do stand-up now? 
Like, what is your parents' reaction? I don't think they really understood what it meant. I don't, I don't know if they do now, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. But um, uh-huh. yeah, you just don't think they knew what. Like, what is what was that decision? How did you decide? Okay, I'm going to go do comedy at this talent show. I don't know. I mean, I, it was a very small school, and I was lucky in the sense that I How got small. Um, my graduating class was maybe forty. Whoa, uh, okay. And I, we were the smallest class in the school, so I would say four hundred kids total, seventh grade through twelfth grade. And I went to school with these kids ever since second grade. It was mm-hmm. the same kids in the whole class uh, for that whole time. And uh, yeah, so it was a very small school, so I was able to do everything. I was able to do sports and theater. And um, so I don't know, the talent show was happening and I really wanted to do it. So, And the year before I had done um, an impression of our soccer coach, Hannibal Najjar. <laughs> he was from Trinidad and Tobago. So I went up on stage and did a, like a 10 minute routine of him in eighth grade and then oh. yeah and then i and then i decided i would rather speak from my perspective than to do a character do you remember like your first jokes yeah any, anything <laughs> worth repeating here no <laughs> was it all religion based because you're in the there's school? a lot about the school my mom was the guidance counselor at the school oh the plot uh, thickens so yeah there's always been like a little bit of a rebellion against authority and but it's uh but everyone like yeah, I, I would make fun of the structure of the school, and everyone knew my mom, so I could make fun of my mom. And uh, same with my dad at my church; mm-hmm. I would get on stage and make jokes. So, yeah, it 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 puts you in a unique position when your when your parents are authority figures for other kids. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, in middle school, my stepdad was the principal. Oh yeah. I mean, it's the worst. Yeah, it's terrible. My my wife's uh, mom was the counselor of her high school as well, so mm-hmm. I, I understand that dynamic and what it's like to be a teenager. But then, your parent is like an authority figure around your friends. Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, so yeah. I think comedy has always been a way, all throughout history, to challenge authority. Yeah, to challenge illegitimate authority. So the stuff that really works, oh. it, well, it's it's like anarchy, right? Um, if something is unnecessary and you uh, point to it through a joke, the cracks become evident, right? Um, so, and then when did you start working at the Funny Bone? I would say age seventeen, maybe seventeen. Yeah. Okay. And your parents were just cool. Like, was there any resistance? Yeah. Because, and I, I'm I'm reiterating this this uh, point because I feel like a lot of comedians are you like you kind of say this like anarchy, and a lot of friends and family don't understand the path. Mm-hmm. And I feel very fortunate. I've always my parents were never like, what do you mean you want to be a comedian? They were always like, oh yeah, we always knew you mm-hmm. like you were on that path. It just took you realizing it. Mm-hmm. But like for you, was there any resistance you had to overcome in making this like your lifelong pursuit? With like parents questioning it or anything? Mm, I think they question it, but they're also, they're very supportive in the sense that they basically told me and my sister that we could do I don't know. We were both very ambitious kids. We both had dreams and we both went out and made them true. So they mm-hmm. must have done something right. Oh. You know, they, re- they were supportive. Um, okay. So no one was like, are you sure? Or you should, you should go to school or. Well, there's always been a little bit of that, but okay. I, they just okay. know my personality. So they know that it wouldn't work. If they, they tried to tell you not to. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to, I was going to do it anyway. So we might as well just, uh, they might as well just say it's okay. You know? Contrarian. Okay. Yeah. And now, wh- how do they feel about your material? Because your material is 
Like, oh, and, and when you say fundamentally, <laughs> should, should we just ask them to come <laughs> do the interview? <laughs> well, I just, you know, what I, why I wanted you on here is because you're like, you're like in the trenches. So yeah. I feel like a lot of listeners. So if I interview Jerry Corley, mm-hmm. you know, he's been doing comedy 30 years. He's kind of on the other side of the trenches in a sense. You're sure. in the middle of this in the middle and yeah. doing it yourself. So I'm hoping that a lot of listeners will be able to align with a lot of the struggles Absolutely. you're going through, but that maybe you've overcome as well. Yep. So that's why I'm getting into the Absolutely. weeds on like the process mm-hmm. of becoming a comedian, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a very complicated answer. Uh, in short, it would be that they definitely disagree with the material. Okay. The ideas contained in the material. Uh, I think they admire my approach to comedy, or at least the the work ethic, or mm-hmm. um, yeah, the fact that I take it so seriously and have put so much into it. So they admire that. Um, so I'll say that, but, and then like career wise, what? No, nothing. <laughs> uh, career, career wise. Uh, I think, I think it's, it would just thinking, uh, from their position, it would be very hard to be a parent and f- to have your child have a life path that is this ambiguous. So there's some objective, tangible things, uh, about the progression of a, a comedy career, mm-hmm. but it's not nearly as laid out as, uh, a lot of other careers and a lot of other work. You know, um, there isn't there isn't like a surefire uh, plan of steps that you can do to. And then and it's so open ended. That's what that's what I love about art is that it's like you can keep growing and keep um, your definition of success and all these things continues to evolve. Mm -hmm. Um, But it may be hard for someone else to understand who's not in it, you know, and doesn't see the work on a daily basis, you know. Yeah. So. Are you cool with your, are your parents, are you cool with your parents? It almost sounds like you're like, I'll say that and then move on. Like, are you guys on speaking terms? Yeah, we speak. Yeah. But there's like like to speak uh, better, but uh, there's like, there's kind of a rift right now because you're pursuing comedy. I don't know. It could be a lot of things. And you're not alone. And like, I'm not trying to Mm -hmm. make you corner you right now. (laughs) I actually didn't. It's just an interesting path. We're starting to lead down. I didn't intend to, but you're not alone in if we're going to use comedy as the backdrop of like, this is what I love. This is what I was born to do. And Mm -hmm. like the people that I love and respect aren't, don't, can't seem to like jive with this, if that makes sense. So is that kind of where you are? You're 26, you said, right? So is that kind of a, the kind of crux you're in right now? It's a good summary. Yeah. Okay. Uh, But there's a lot of time and a lot of uh, life to live. So I Mm -hmm. think, I think my parents and I will both, learn how to more effectively communicate who we are and the way we see the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like, uh, I'm, and I'm not even doing this for a bit. I think uh, there's a big difference between the way we, uh, my parents and I interpret art, where it's like uh, they have a literal interpretation of the Bible, right? Uh, whereas I see the Bible as uh, the the work of, people over, you know, millennia um, constructing myths collectively. um, And there's so much rich meaning and truth in them, just like any uh, artistic endeavor. Um, So I view it artistically, but they view it literally. Um, So, yeah, I do think there's different um, levels of interpretive skills uh, where where they could see my act and not really know how to interpret it, Mm -hmm. you know, because, uh, yeah. 
Does that make sense? Kind of. So did, did they come to a show and then we're like, oh, dear. <laughs> they were like excited. Our son's pursuing comedy and then because mm. he's been doing it at camp and all this. And then they're like, oh, but he's talking about <laughs> I mean, yep. very contrarian approaches to how sure. you were raised, you know. Yeah, they've they've come, but we've never had any uh, in-depth discussions about the content of the oh of okay. the material. It's you know? almost just like a silent understanding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it's what I look when I look for when I watch a comedian is like how much am I learning about this comedian? Mm -hmm. Like, what are they doing material that no one else could do? And when I saw you do your set, I was like. Wow, he only did seven minutes, and I learned so much, not only about where you come from, but mm -hmm. your mindset, your philosophical approach to life. Mm -hmm. And at, I'm trying to think, so how long have you been doing comedy? Like, you did it first yep. time, 14, but how long would you say you've actually been, like, grinding at it? Uh, I mean, yeah, ever since that first one. I, I oh, mean, ever since was, 14, you were on stage a lot. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I went to that coffee house and was doing, you know, two 15-minute sets a week. Oh, from age 14 oh, on, you know. Oh, that's So great. it definitely has increased over the years. But um, it's only yeah. 12 years, really. Yeah, 12 years. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. okay. Well, that, that makes a little more sense that you've been mm -hmm. sharpening the sure. sword. To be able to say so much about mm -hmm. yourself, your beliefs, and also your personal life in a seven-minute set, I was yeah. like, that's where at nine and a half years into comedy, I want to be doing more things like that. Sure. What was your process to getting that self-revealing on stage, if you will. Well, I think I was always like that in, mm -hmm. in person. I guess comedy was always the way I like, revealed things about myself to my friends and the people around me. It's just a good way to like, figure out, like, okay, uh, I may have some subversive or contrarian thoughts to the community I was raised in, and so a joke is a good way to like, figure out, oh, do the other people also think this? Mm -hmm. you know? And is it okay? Um, and so, yeah, I got uh, very good at that and very interested in that because comedy, yeah, reveals some things that we may not uh, explicitly say aloud, you know. Yeah. And but what is, is you, are you cool with your sister? Is yeah, she yeah. cool? She's cool she likes, comedy she and all it, that? Yeah. And what does she do? She's a teacher. Teacher. Because yeah. you said you both found your passions and pursue it. Yes. So that's cool. And you're, you're like a teacher on stage as well. <laughs> I, but is that, that is intentional? You being kind of like... You're, you're saying funny things, but you're also like, I want them to leave with something. Sure. Well, I think that's just a matter of sort of like intellectual responsibility, where if you're going to be on a stage, if you're going to be talking into a microphone in front of a bunch of people, you better have some like good things to say. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you're yeah. up there. Um, so that's, that's what I definitely desire when I go see things, when I go see a film, when I see a book, or mm -hmm. when I see a book. Uh, <laughs> when I look at a book. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely like, uh, I'm interested in the ideas. So, um, and stand-up's this really cool thing because it's, uh, you're, in, you're in charge of yourself. And um, so you can, you can layer the act as much as you possibly want with the mm -hmm. ideas that you think are important and funny. Um, so I try to put those all together uh, to see what they do to people's brains. How do you put your jokes together? They're very complex. Where mm -hmm. do they start and how do they evolve? Uh, I guess it just ha starts with one observation and then you make connections between things. Um, so you see one little, one little thing that's funny and then it's sort of like thematically connected to things. Or one thing I love to do is juxtapose uh, mm. information that isn't, 
traditionally related and then you find a way to put it together. So you sort of ram ideas together mm -hmm. uh, because yeah, the imagination uh, and all, all of life is connected so that either you can always find some way to connect uh, something that's happening in the world or you know, something that you're thinking. It's just a matter of um, recreating those the steps to connect them, you know, and that's often, yeah, that's, I don't know, the brain delights in that when we uh, put things together, you know. How do you find the connections? What's your process? Do you sit down and like make lists mm. or when you see two things, see that juxtaposition, mm. now what next? What's the next step? Well, then you bring it to the stage and you see what makes people laugh and then I sort of like, it's kind of like the scientific method where, uh, you try to recreate results, right? So mm. it's an experiment each time, and then like you figure out the which variables stay constant, uh, and then and there's they're always going to fluctuate a little bit, but you find exactly like where people connect the dots. You find out where you get responses, and then you're able to um, build upon those responses, uh, and you can reiterate what made them laugh the first time you say things in a different way or you like once you find the <laughs> the entry point then mm -hmm. you can multiply the laughs based on you know um based on their responses you know but i yeah i bring ideas to the stage and i look for the openings i look for i really really listen to to people yeah. when they're having the epiphany and then you go okay now now i know where it um erupts now i can recreate it better you know and in a more complex way you do it more on stage than like on page oh yeah, absolutely yeah. oh so you don't even you're not like here's a juxtaposition let me write yeah. some jokes I make lists of things but lists. i um, okay uh and sometimes i'll write long form but because stand-up is a ver like um a verbal art form i try to have loose ideas that i bring to the stage and then you through repetition uh then i can write them down but it's very hard to to write things that truly mimic human speech, you know? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So. Yeah, we, we write, it's almost like what we write sounds different than how we talk. Mm -hmm. I know Mark Normand said on here that his writing process is for an hour every day, he just talks mm -hmm. about topics, about jokes he's working on, but he'll just talk out loud sure. like a madman mm -hmm. for an hour. And that's how he writes because it's like, verbally writing yeah you know he just rep reps his jokes out loud and that's how it comes off so natural mm -hmm. and true to his voice mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and it's very it's very hard when you're sitting with a piece of paper uh no matter how much you've been on stage it's very hard to have that uh a truly accurate hypothetical crowd in your head you mm -hmm. know really helps to have the social pressure of presenting these ideas in front of people um it kicks it into gear you know you got to figure out uh, what you're trying to say, how to say it. Um, yeah, being observed is a, is a huge part of creativity for me. You know? Being observed. Being observed, yeah. What do you mean by that? Uh, <laughs> that you have all... <laughs> <laughs> um, that there's all of this going on inside of you. Uh, uh -huh. And yeah, I guess it's just uh, that attention sort of provokes what's inside of you and you find a way to get it out to people, you know? Or it's like a it's a desire to convey what's what's really in here, mm -hmm. um, which you can't really do alone. You need to be seen. You need to be understood. Um, I don't know. You do. Yeah, yeah. you're doing great, man. <laughs> uh, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> what? No, I like you. You're like driving home on a point, and then you're like, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. That's how yeah. I feel a lot about a lot of things. You know. Really. Yeah. Unless you're on stage, then you're like sure. 
Because you're in complete control? Yeah. Uh, well, like, if you, if you get a laugh on something, you know, like, okay, well, that, this thing has been, conf like, confirmed or reaffirmed. Mm -hmm. uh, something you thought about reality, something you thought about yourself or whatever uh, is being confirmed. Uh, and that feels good. But when you're, t when you're thinking about things, when you're talking about things with people, uh, there's, yeah, there's much more doubt for me. You know? mm -hmm. it's, it's a much more open-ended thing. Well, I, do, I, like, I really do say I don't know about a lot of things because I'll put it out there and I'll go, yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You'll say it with affirmation, but, but I don't really know. Yeah. I don't know. What is maybe your most epic bomb? Like, I can imagine... You're, you have, like, your comedy is, is very high concept. Yeah. And I would imagine starting here in St. Louis mm -hmm. and then traveling around, there's got to, there has to have been a show that, yeah. like, it just, everybody would oh, like, yeah. know. Or well, probably a lot. A lot. I could pick many. Um, is there one? Well, it's that, funny, like, when I, yeah, like, starting in Missouri, there's just driving around over all these years, like, I can pass almost every exit on the highway and go like, oh, I had a bad show over there. <laughs> at, like all these towns, you know, that did their little one night of comedy and I came in and it was, yeah. So, oh, that's um, great. but I mean, I suppose the worst was probably this place called Sullivan, Missouri. Okay. Uh, it was uh, pirates place was the name of the venue. They were doing comedy for a little bit. They came, I came in to feature, uh, and yeah, people were upset, but then the, the guy who was booking it didn't really understand how anything worked and then he booked me to headline uh, like two months later so then I come back and do twi twice as long and then uh, you know walked a lot of the crowd um, but one woman in particular she, st she stood up and, sh and she said I rebuke you Satan <gasps> to me um, <laughs> she rebuked me um, so yeah how, how long into your set yeah maybe 20 minutes yeah out of a headlining set yeah so like you had to do 45 and yeah I did the 45. Less yeah. than halfway through, a lady stands up and goes, I rebuke you, Satan. Satan, yeah. Do you remember the joke that triggered it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are coming in. Is that Satan coming in right now? What, uh, so you finished the set, though, I you I finished said. the set. Yeah, I always finish the set. Although, one set I wasn't able to finish. It was the day after Trump got elected. It was November 9th, 2016, Dodge City, Kansas. Uh, I got kicked off of a stage by a the owner of the bar uh i was doing a 30 minute set he he threw me off at like minute 28 oh because yeah. you're making like trump jokes no trump jokes no just like it's all like religion yeah it was science science people. religion philosophy some stuff about the military industrial complex <laughs> um you know uh when when the lady says i rebuke you satan yeah. what is your retort uh well I don't know. I mean, it really caught me off guard. Uh, I mean, I guess I just laughed at it. I continued. I understand her position. I really do. Um, and then I, you know, wrote a joke about it later. But not in the moment, no. So, so people are walking. Oh, yeah. Oh, less than 20 minutes in your set, people are getting up and walking out. Yeah. And then at 20, minute 20, she stands up. I rebuke you, Satan. Yeah. And then you just keep going. Do more people keep leaving? Does she oh, leave? Yeah people, like, yeah, people are just up and around. But I'm doing my set, you know. Oh, my gosh. How long into comedy was this? Um, it's maybe 2015. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I rebuke you, Satan. Yeah. That's a new heckle. I've never heard someone say they got heckled like that. Yeah.
<laughs> yeah, at my, uh, I mean, it happens all the time. Uh, I did a JFL sh- showcase audition in Seattle, mm-hmm. and uh, right in the middle of it, someone said, you're going to hell. It stood up and said, you're going to hell. She got kicked out. In Seattle? Yeah. Whoa. But, but does, does part of that mean, does that part of it, when you get those kind of reactions, does it make you feel like, oh, well, this, is, this material's affecting people emotionally, so I'm on the right track. It's not the intended effect, you know. <laughs> you want uh, laughter, but. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, but it is funny. It's like, uh, the, yeah, the intent is not to offend. The, uh, but it, uh, it's funny. You do the material so much, and, like, it's, it makes, uh, <laughs> you do it so much, and then you forget, like, oh, it, this does uh, affect people. This it's not entirely benign, mm-hmm. you know. Like there is some power or some influence that you, you have with your act, you know. Uh, so, but there's there's a bravery behind it, and I think that's why so many people care about you and are really. I mean, it, it really was like going around the St. Louis comedy scene. I mean, and I'm not I'm not trying to fluff your feathers, but I mean, like comedians really there was like a sincerity and like a, a major respect around you. And there was, there was like a heartfelt connection. It seems sure. at least the comedians mm. were having around you and the show. I mean, the show I saw you do, you killed as mm. well. So the material works, mm. but it, what do you, what do you attribute to the influence you're having just amongst comedians? I just, uh, I'm, I'm around a lot. So, mm-hmm. um, and people have seen the different sort of stages of my career and yeah, I really um, try to give people time and, uh, yeah, give them their dignity. Uh, every comic at every level, you know. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of new comics about com- comedy theory, and they just ask me a lot of questions about the art and about sort of going out on the road and how do you do this. And, and I give all the information I can, you know, because mm-hmm. I understand exactly what their position is, you know. And, yeah, no one's teaching you how to do this. You've got to go ask some questions. So I'm, yep. I'm happy to answer anything that anyone asks you know well i can guarantee people are going to be reach out to oh from yeah this that's show. awesome like the 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 hot breath of verse is strong mm-hmm. they reach out to guests and they get it done yeah cool so that's why i wanted you on here because mm-hmm. comedians there's a gra- like there's an there was an orbit around you in a sense mm-hmm. where comedians just they wanted to be around you and they respect you and you got me on this open mic that was already full of 30 comics mm-hmm. and the guy was still like yeah we'll put them up and we'll put them up early so he mm-hmm. doesn't have to sit through this tragedy that is the show <laughs> yeah. so there's just in in me knowing and being in atlanta like and seeing a comedy scene and it growing and different players within it it's just cool to you're you're an important piece of this comedy scene and you attribute mm-hmm. that to just being nice and around, I guess. And just caring a lot. Mostly you know, like caring. Caring about comedy and taking it seriously. You know? mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, really pushing myself and pushing other people. So, uh, yeah, I've challenged a lot of comedians to, to be better, you know. We yeah. should all be better. We should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. And it's cool you're challenging yourself. I mean, you, it's easy for a comic to get, get in the position you are here in St. Louis and just get comfortable. And mm-hmm. just be like, oh, well, I have a tribe here in a sense. Mm-hmm. But you moved to Chicago, mm-hmm. and then you moved to Seattle. I kind of moved to Chicago. I was like, basic. I was living in an Airbnb for, for like, yeah, probably six months. Uh, I was like, in, it was basically a hostel. I was like sleeping in bunk beds. I've slept in a lot of bunk beds. That's one of the keys to, to DIY comedy. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta go like really be comfortable with like <laughs> sleeping either above or below a lot of people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you no, know what I mean? That's that's what's funny. I love the the DIY comedy. Yeah. I just. 
I interviewed a comic here at the festival who lives in his van. Sure. And we did a yeah. tour of his van, and he's showing me, like, he unfolds his toilet, and he's like, for emergencies, this is where I'll poop. And it's like, all of this, and he's like, and here's my handheld heater for when it's freezing. And you're like, oh, that's cool, he lives in a van, and then you hear the reality, and it's like, you, yeah. you're like, oh, he's really doing it. And then you're like, he's sleeping in a hostel, like, oh, yeah. a shady situation. But tell us more about yeah. that DIY reality. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, in terms of the standard of living, uh, yeah, I think you really got to be <laughs> okay with couches and floors, and uh, you kind of have to get by on the generosity of other people. I've, t I've toured hmm. this country a, a lot, and people have let me stay with them, and they've fed me, and uh, yeah, people have, it's amazing what people will do uh, if they get to know you, and if they, they think you're funny, and um, yeah, people want to help you along. It's really cool. Um, so that's one thing. Um, and uh, when it comes to DIY comedy, it's, uh, you just always have to be looking for your own opportunities. You really have to sort of like be p planning ahead, like where it's like, you really have to go like, well, what would I like to do? And then mm. you <laughs> try to figure out the puzzle. You go, how can I make this happen and not wait for anybody else to do it for me? You know, I know that's sort of, sort of vague, but like uh, no, it's ha having certain, f certain festivals or certain destinations or um, certain venues and, you just got to, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of like this. Uh, I grew up playing like Zelda, right, mm -hmm. um, on N64 Ocarina of Time. And I think it's a, that's a good model for like, uh, it's a good simulation where uh, you're like this little kid running around in this open world in this game, right? And you go to all these new lands and you have, you don't just get, you don't just go and fight people. You have to go up to the people in the town and a, you press A, you ask them a question and you learn things and you piece that together so you figure out how to get to the, to the boss that you fight. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and that's how li life is. There's all these people, they all have information, they all have all this knowledge from experience. Go out and, f and learn from them and piece things together, you know, and figure out where to go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. That's my journey with this podcast. Absolutely. Is sitting down with... You're clicking A over and over every, and over again. Every Monday, I'm clicking A. Yeah. And every Monday, listeners are clicking A, I would mm -hmm. say. That's a, that's a great, very yeah. clear analogy. Yeah. Wow. But you have to go up and do that, you know? You like, have to... Yeah, you have to be Or proactive. you're just running around, you know, throwing the rocks or, like, mm -hmm. doing your sword at those chickens in the game. Right. Go up to the people that live in the town and ask them the questions, you know? And... You'll know your questions when you know your destination. Yeah. Because I do think that's important. You're like, we need to know first what you want to do. Yeah. Where is the finish line? Mm -hmm. And then you can work backwards to sure. like build finish the finish line is death. There. Uh, and then there's a bunch of stuff before that. Oh, do we yeah. die? What happens when we die? Yeah. Nothing? You think nothing happens when we die? <laughs> well, something happens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, for sure. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I think basically, like, uh, yeah, your your consciousness is no longer uh, activated because it seems to be contained in the, your brain, mm -hmm. uh, and then all of life continues to go. So, uh, so you're you're here, you're alive for a while, uh, and then you die, and then the entire system of life continues to go, you know, without you. Yeah. That's how we're going to end this. No, we're not going to end it on that. No, let's, let's, let's circle back to a positive. Yeah. The, de the depressing oh, I think reality I think that's of positive. <laughs> oh, that, oh, that you die peacefully? 
well, and nothing no, happens? No, that like uh, there's no such thing as like ultimate death. It's just you. Like if you'd let go of the person, uh, the individual ego, where it's yeah. like, uh, yeah, life's life is not about you. Life is not. Uh, there's a whole system uh, going. Yeah, and you're here to experience that, and then it continues to go, and then you're no, you're no longer here, and that's so like every life just keeps flowing and flowing and flowing, and death seems to be quite a you know part of that. Death seems to be the thing that like sort of propels life. But yeah. it's it's the balance. It's the 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 yin to the yang. <laughs> but a more positive death sounds like being in the clouds eating marshmallows mm-hmm. with angels sounds more positive than oh yeah it, life goes on without you. I d- I disagree. Yeah. You, I d- you don't like marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think it's. Uh, I don't think it's it's negative at all that uh, that the universe continues to evolve uh, and continues to make life. Um, you know, it inspires you to make the most of your opportunity as well, though. Yeah. So if you're like, "This is my shot," it's like, "Well, no one else is going to give me a shot. Let me create my own shot, like you're doing." Mm-hmm. And a lot of that you said is asking questions. It is learning. So even making the decision, because I've had people reach out to me. I've had, I had a guy recently reach out to me from New Jersey who was like, I'm trying to decide if I want to move to New York or Atlanta to, mm-hmm. to pursue their comedy in a more serious mm-hmm. like fashion. So you moving to Chicago, moving, like yep. being a vagrant of sure. some sort, I guess. What was that decision? Make, like, why did you decide to do that? Well, I just thought there were more opportunities there. There's, um, for your com- it was for co- all for comedy. All for comedy, yeah. Okay. Really, almost everything I've done in my life has been for for a comedy. Yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> That's the reality of comedy right yeah. there. Um, but it's because I love it. It's, it's informed yeah. by love. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's not, it's not just comedy. It's sort of the, ex- the experience of love. Um, so, uh, yeah, but I moved, I moved there for comedy. There's so much going on. There's so many great comedians and I learned a lot and got a lot better. Uh, and then decided to, to go to the Pacific Northwest cause yeah. I really enjoyed it up there. But we got to meet each other. Yeah, we did meet each other. If you didn't go to Chicago, we wouldn't be here right now. Well, we would, yeah, I right? guess. We wouldn't have met each other. Yeah. And then we wouldn't have randomly seen each other here and been like, hey, Chicago. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you want to go do this open mic? I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it would have never happened. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I like you more than you like me. Maybe what, that's what what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like you. <laughs> i don't know i was like it was cool and you're like yeah 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 Mm -hmm. you gotta do it you know we don't just let anyone on this show andrew this is i know i looked at i looked at the list today and it's you got a good list and now you're on it yeah so i listened to joe list's episode yeah you looked at the list and then picked joe list i did yeah yeah he's a he's a good egg as they say yeah so you moved to Chicago, and then, like we said, Seattle. Why did you leave Chicago to Seattle? What was the, the plan behind that? Uh, well, I had been up there for the Seattle International Comedy Competition mm-hmm. uh, in 2017, and I just really enjoyed the, the scene there. I liked the nature. I really wanted to be in a city that stimulated me, uh, the environment and stimulated, stimulated me. So mm-hmm. being in a major metropolis is hard for my mental health. Uh, so being around a bunch of trees, being able to, I mean, I live, I live in Green Lake in, um, 
Seattle. So I can, it's 0.2 miles to the club. So I walk to the club and 0.2 miles from there is Ravenna Park, which is like you can hike and it's like this awesome valley is huge, huge trees. Uh, and then there's a giant lake uh, right by my place. So yeah, to have the, to have both an, enough of a population to support the arts and, um, and then to also have nature, to be surrounded by water, to be surrounded by trees. It was very important to me. And to be close to Canada. I really enjoy performing in Canada. Oh, so. Okay. Yeah. It just seems like, as a comedian, it seems most comedians would be like, okay, I moved to this bigger city to get better. Now it's time for L.A. or New York. But you decided, no, I went to Seattle because I like the environment. Sure. Uh, well, I'm going to be traveling anywhere. Like, uh, Basically, the way I do things is I'll live somewhere for half the year, and I travel the rest of the year. So I've been, I've been away from Seattle for the last three months. I went... Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, where all did you go? Well, I started in Seattle. I went to Fargo, went to Chicago, Pittsburgh, Washington, D.C., New York City, London, Edinburgh, Glasgow, uh, and then St. Louis, Vancouver, Springfield. Now I'm back. And then one more week at Springfield, then I go back to Seattle. Um, yeah. All... And you booked all of this? Mm -hmm. How... Because I, I, just, I just booked my first tour here in October, and I'm going through the Southeast, and like every date is really thanks to a listener. Like every date sure. I booked was yeah. people who are fans of the podcast. Mm -hmm. So how, how were you able to book such a long run of shows like that? Uh, well, two of the major stretches were Fringe Festivals. Uh, 25 shows in Edinburgh for the whole month of August. That was that Fringe, and then Vancouver was 10 shows. Uh, and you just uh, you send a video you, to these festivals yeah, you apply, to apply. Uh -huh. They offer you a venue um, and a time slot, and then you sort of sort it out from there. Um, the other uh, shows were just I don't know, like everything sort of snowballs. If you really travel around enough, if you really do enough shows, if you're getting on stage all the time and you keep doing festivals and keep going to clubs, keep doing contests and stuff, you just end up meeting so many people in so many different places and you can either reach out to them or like I would say 70% of the time people reach out to me and say like, Hey, when are you going to be around? And mm -hmm. we, just, uh, and then you just p piece together the puzzle. You know, once you have a couple things on a calendar, then now you, you just look at a map and you <laughs> figure it out from there, you know? Yeah. And it's what you probably did with your tour. You, f you yeah. figured out a couple cities and then you're like, okay, what's around here? Exactly. And yeah. that's the beauty of We're in a real comedy boom right now. Every, uh, every city, every town that has, some people has a scene going on, has mm -hmm. regular shows. And yeah, if, if you're nice enough and if, you, and if you have enough of a resume and you got a good video and people know who you are, then you can hop on shows, you know? And just being a nice yeah. person. Yeah. Like you said, first off, just being generous, being caring, mm -hmm. and being someone people want to work with. Sure. You know, yeah. Offer you a show. Mm -hmm. and, and the other thing is just sort of like uh, over the years, if you, it's funny, people always ask me, like, you know, how do you start working at clubs in other cities? And I, it's, it's a long game, right? But mm -hmm. it really is the same way that you get in in your local scene. Uh, it's just gr greater distances. Uh, so like, um, yeah, you just <laughs> you get in your car and you go to these places, uh, you find the right times to go and you re keep returning to them year after year after year after year. And they see your growth, they see your improvement. Um, and then you, yeah, you get some work. But it's it's the same same thing with you. You just have to keep going. It's you don't just show up someplace once and then they give everything to you. You have right. to build a relationship with venues and bookers and and your peers. Like uh, it, like this festival, right? There's 200 comics here, and all of these people uh, have information or may book you on something. So 
it's it's good to make other comics laugh and to be do, be doing comedy that um, has some integrity to it that mm -hmm. that other comics respect, you know, because um, then you get to be on their shows, you know. And how was and thinking of I think it's important for comics to really remember is you said keep going back to these cities, oh, but yeah. also keep progressing yeah. as well. So keep developing, keep getting stronger. Sure. Keep putting the work on stage as much as you are off stage. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. Cause it, uh, and it really, yeah, you grow so much in comedy, even in just in a year, right? The mm -hmm. difference you can, if you really put in the work, people are going to notice. Um, they may not notice as much in your local scene because they see you all the time. Right. right. But if you go back to a club and you haven't been there in a year and they see what you're doing now, uh, it's, it's very cool. Uh, so, yeah, I was just recently in Chattanooga at the comedy catch for the second yeah. time and someone who, someone saw me there the first time and then I saw me there the second time and they like sent me an email about mm. how much I had like developed yeah, yeah. in just the six or seven months since I was there last. Mm -hmm. And that was really, that, that was probably my first experience of like, Oh, okay. Cause I, I can get insulated in Atlanta mm. and I'm getting out more clearly with this tour and mm. I'm, I'm planning one in the Midwest now for the next, for next month. But it's like, when you get out, you can, I think leaving your scene is healthy cause then you do start to see Absolutely. your comedy in a different way. And you start to see how other people are doing comedy, you know, right. because, right. uh, I know we get on stage independently, but you're seeing, you're, you're all sort of like learning the language of comedy together mm -hmm. and you may be learning to speak the same way, to think the same way and you got to get out there on your own um, and see what other people are doing and yeah, I think just that's like sort of the hero's journey of it all. Like when you, when you go to another place and you, and you come back like, and, you're, and you spend real time alone, this is a, a major part of stand-up. You got to spend those hours alone yeah. getting to and from places. Um, uh, yeah, you really sort of develop yourself and, uh, and sort of like earlier you were, you were saying like, uh, this, uh, you said this style of comedy is like brave or something, but really it's just a matter of like, uh, <laughs> it's not really worth it in the, in the grand scheme of things. If you really are going to sacrifice all these things in, in your life to really pursue this comedy thing fully, uh, you know, sleeping in the hostel and spending time away from people you love and, um, yeah, make it matter. Like, create something that really means something to you. Mm. Um, and don't, don't pander and don't do it just for the crowd because uh, they don't get in the car with you and drive to the next place. They don't, uh, do you know what I mean? Like, you got to live with yourself and you got to do something that you're proud of. Yeah. Um, because, well, and the worst case scenario is, uh, and everyone learns this over the years, but like, if you do what you think they want, uh, and you pander and it still doesn't work, then you've, you've sold yourself for nothing. You <laughs> right. Know? And now you yep. got to drive 10 hours back to, you know, from Dodge city, Kansas. And you're like, why did I do that? You know? Ooh. So, uh, so yeah, to be, to create something that you're proud of, uh, something that you, um, that you want to present to people and that, yeah. So, so where, where are you at now? So you're 12 mm -hmm. years in, You've done all these tours. You just went to, I mean, Edin Edinburgh, Edinburgh, mm. what is it? Edinburgh. Edinburgh yeah. Fringe Festival. Yeah. That, it's the biggest arts festival in the world. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, that's, that's, like, a, that's mm. like a mecca. That's a yeah. destination. Yes. So, There's many levels to it. So I started at the, at the bottom level of it, and you could, I could keep going back for, for a lifetime and continue to climb. Yes. You know? 
But like we, like you said, in getting in with a scene, you, mm -hmm. you just got to show up first. Yep. And maybe it's like a guest spot. And the next time you may, oh, you may get like, you may be hosting or whatever. Mm -hmm. But in Edinburgh, you were doing an hour yep. every night for 30 days, right? Yep. Uh, 25 days yes. for 25 yeah. days was what did you learn from that experience and also mm -hmm. was the audience more receptive were they kind of mm -hmm. more hip to your style um yeah uh they were very good crowds uh i learned a lot i i think basically through that repetition uh i you just really start to understand the nuances of your material mm -hmm. and you really sort of develop that skill of um yeah, doing the same jokes every night and doing them in a way that feels alive, you know, like doing, uh, yeah, really, <laughs> it's hard to explain, but it's like, uh, it's not, you're not just reciting material, you have to be very sensitive to uh, the way you're presenting it to people, and um, yeah, so it j the material just got a lot more nuanced and, uh, and conversational, and uh, the, the laughs definitely multiplied, you know, you find, you find all these new spots that you get laughs in, in mm -hmm. these ideas, and the ideas grow, and um, so yeah, it's the, the, it's the being observed thing. If you really keep, if you continue to be observed the uh, and you're honest with yourself and you really are aware, uh, the stuff is going to continue to improve, you know, where, and we, you had referenced earlier, knowing where you want to be and then kind of working backwards. Mm -hmm. So where, what are you working towards now? Where do you want to be? Mm, I would like to continue to tour like really ideally, um, I would do an American tour, a Canadian tour, a Europe, UK, Europe tour, and an Australian tour every year. Um, mm. I would like to do that. Um, I'm close to that. I did, I did Europe, uh, America, Canada this year. So, And the people that ra ran the, the venue in Edinburgh, which I knew this ahead of time, it's all part of the, a plan. They, they run things at the, at the Adelaide Fringe Festival, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, and the Perth Festival. Uh, so I would like to spend three months in Australia next year, the year after that. Uh, probably not next year, to, to be honest. I, I, I would like to write another act, to be honest. Uh, I, I would like to wait until I have another hour or, or yeah, something like that. But, um, yeah, I would like to – that's one thing. Mm -hmm. And just continuing to uh, up the quality of the venues and the, and the opportunities. So, yeah, uh, JFL is something that I would like soon. Uh, there's many steps to that too. So I got the first, first showcase, first audition for that in January when mm -hmm. I moved up to Seattle. And then I think you just got to keep, keep like so they ha now they have an impression of me. You keep doing it year after year, and hopefully show them your growth. You know, um, so that's one thing. Yeah, but really I just want the material to get better. I want to, to be a better comedian and perform in new and better places uh, and see that where that takes me. Are these fringe festivals more like kind of one man showy as opposed to like a stand up? Like, is your mm. is the hour you're building like you said you want a new hour before you go to Australia? Yeah. Like, is the hour almost like a like it has like a story arc yeah. more than just like here's a set it's with what, some exactly jokes. what I would do in a in a club? It's exactly okay. my act. Oh, okay, um, cool. And it's jokes the whole time for an hour, um, but thematically it, it is. Uh, it fits in with the with the festival vibe. Gotcha. Um, okay. Cool. But it's straight stand up, you know. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing. Stand up can do a lot of things. Like you really can um, say things that are emotional. You can say things that are intellectual. All that stuff can be contained in in comedy. You know. I I think it's important for comics to look at their stand up as like a show, like you're saying. Because yep. when I taped my my special, and that was my first time ever 
putting putting myself on the like on the fire like that of like okay yeah. you have a date and you have to nail this is like i had a lot of material but as i started to mold it together i was like oh but that joke actually ties to this joke and it became yeah. just organically through the trial and error it actually became like a story mm-hmm. and the biggest compliment was oh it it had like an arc to it sure and before i put that pressure on myself to create a show mm-hmm. I was more like, oh, I just have all this material about my life. But mm. as I, it started to mold together, sure. it was like, oh, it's, there's a story and I can take them down here because I, like, I cried at my mm. wedding. Yeah. And uh, a big part of me talking about it, I wanted to actually cry when mm. I talked about it. I wanted to go to that moment sure. and actually cry and then flip it, the punchline, like misdirecting that I wasn't mm. crying. I was crying that the wedding planning was over. Yeah. But I build up to that moment. Mm. So part of documenting the special, we mm. show the, the evolution of that joke mm-hmm. from me in an open mic to where I'm like trying to fake cry mm-hmm. all the way to the progression of it at the special where I do hit that note and, and it gets an applause break. Uh-huh. That's the first time. I think it's important for comics to challenge themselves mm-hmm. in that way too of like how far can I push the performance aspect of my show? Absolutely. Because yeah. that was in nine and a half years, that was my first time like, oh, I want to take them down for a minute. Yeah. Oh, but this is going to, I need to work at that moment. Mm. And when I nailed it and it got an applause break, I was just like, oh, there, like you said, mm-hmm. stand up can do so many things. That's, that's, that resonated with me be, and inspired that story because that was my first moment on stage where I was like, oh, there's more to this than just like, yeah, you can take them down and around and really mm-hmm. affect them. Sure. Yeah. So like emotions and vulnerability and honesty, these th- things are so important for comedy. Like, um, yeah, I see a lot of comics who like are like irony is their main sort of mode of expression. And I, and as cool as that is, and it's like, there's great jokes that can be told. Uh, I do think you hit a wall. I think it's a defense mechanism and it's sort of like you put up a wall, um, between, you don't want the crowd to see your real self, what you really feel, mm-hmm. what you really think. Uh, and so we c- create a character for the stage as opposed to, so. Uh, so anyway, so you having those emotions and you really talking about it and making a joke of it. But um, yeah, like, I don't know. A lot of comedy can be very detached. Um, and I think it's important to, to really show who you are up there. Agreed. Know? Agreed. And I, I always try to put my material through the filter of, could someone else say this and mm. it'd be just as funny, mm-hmm. you know, like how can I make this material uniquely mine? Mm-hmm. And that takes time. You know, I'm nine and a half years in you're 12 years. So this all takes time and people, listeners need to understand that. But I think the sooner you can make that your intent with your comedy, the mm-hmm. sooner you're going to start to see that progress and start making that connection with an audience mm-hmm. to where it is. I rebuke you, Satan, <laughs> or they're coming up after like telling mm-hmm. you, not just saying you were funny, but like telling you what was funny and why and how it affected them. That's changed my whole approach to comedy Absolutely. when people started coming up after and mm-hmm. really like explaining how they were affected as sure. opposed to you were funny. I don't remember anything you said, yeah. but you were funny. Yeah, I'm like, uh, I do think uh, in, in stand up, like if you tour enough, you're, you're in a lot of new places uh, mm-hmm. and you don't really stay for very long. So, that, um, and you want deep, like deep human connection, right? So um, there is something. It's very intentional. The a, the act that I present, it's an out like 
Edinburgh was so nice because all these people sort of came up and were already like an hour into a conversation and they know who I am and what I think about the world and then they tell me their ideas and they tell me their experiences with these things mm -hmm. and it sort of uh, encourages this type of conversation and this type of connection um, that is is very hard to create uh, so um, yeah I think like um, that's been a very life sustaining thing is like you you go on stage and you like you connect with people in a certain way and then like uh, yeah, the quality of the conversation and the, what people are willing to tell you about themselves afterwards yeah. is, is much higher after you've shared about yourself, you know, because everyone sort of hides a bunch of stuff, you know. Yeah, of course. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the fact that someone would would know that they're that they're safe and that they won't be judged and that uh, that they can talk to another person about things that they've thought about or experienced. It's very cool, you know. Yeah. So you end up making some really, really close friends and um have the, all these awesome relationships in a very short amount of time when you're on the road, you know, and then you go back and you continue to see those people. So do you collect these people's emails or do you anything, do you do anything to stay in touch with them even when you're not sure. there? Like what's, yeah, what's the kind of the business behind the tour in a sense? You know what I mean? Like it's cool to go on tour, yeah. but like, how do you live? Cause like, I mean, for <laughs> instance, you know, I mean, it's, I a recent experience. I was in like when I travel, I mean, even here, you know, mm. I just, baked a bunch of sweet potatoes yep. and boiled eggs. I was in Birmingham recently. Mm -hmm. The fridge was too cold. The mm -hmm. eggs were frozen. I'm sitting here eating crunchy eggs in a hotel alone. Mm -hmm. So like, what is your experience with the reality of that DIY approach? You're like, yeah, I'm doing it. And then sometimes you're like, oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Have you eaten anything weird? Or? Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, I ate haggis in Edinburgh. Do you know what haggis is? I've heard the word. I it's like um, sheep intestines. <laughs> oh, okay. But that's like a delicacy there. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. It's not like Vienna sausages. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not that depressing, yeah. I guess. But I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, I eat a lot of weird th things. Uh, just on the road, though. You know what I mean? Like, just to get by. and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all like a game. You know, it's mm -hmm. all a game. Uh, keep yourself alive and uh, keep telling jokes. It's all a <laughs> game. Know? Yeah. It's a fun game though. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. When you really have something that you love and really something that's motivating you, it makes everything a lot easier. You know, any th sort of thing that you like, any obstacle or any sort of, uh, I don't know, your car breaks down or like, uh, you know, you don't have a place to stay or all, all these things. Like it's, it's all like, um, these are just sort of like obstacles that are, I don't know, you just figure it out. Like I sort of like the challenge of it all. I like, uh, yeah. I like um, the survival aspect of it, you know? Yeah. Life finds a way. Yeah. As Jeff Goldblum said sure. in Jurassic Park. And I get like, uh, and the, it makes it a lot easier if you just love, if you love people, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause then they'll, you know, it'll all be all right. It makes, Maybe. when you're, when you're doing what you love, it makes all the work worth it too. Mm -hmm. So it's like if you are having to sleep in your car because you couldn't find a place, it is like, what I'm, I would rather be doing this than waking up to go to a cubicle tomorrow. Sure. You know? Yeah, I think like uh, sort of owning your own like labor is a, um, it's, yeah. that's some, yeah, it's something I really think is important. And not everybody can do it. It's, and it does take a long time to get to that point. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, to like, to ha have a skill that belongs to you and that you can, um, it contributes value to other people and you can, um, uh, yeah, to own your own labor is, is very important to me. Whew. Dude, this has been 
Maybe the fastest where, where an interview's gone. We're at an yeah. hour. Okay. Um, this has probably been the fastest episode has flown by because, yeah. like, I usually, I mean, have, like, a whole list. Sure. I mean, I have this whole page of research, mm. and, like, I, die, I, like, private investigate mm. my guests almost to the point of, like, I know, like, what hospital they were mm. born in. But, like, I met you, like, yesterday. Yeah. And was just, we're just, we're chilling at this open mic afterwards. Mm. And, I was, and I was just like talking to you for all these hours. I was like, dude, you should do that. You yeah, should yeah. be doing that. You should do the podcast. <laughs> we should have been doing it this whole time. Like yeah. there's just, there's something about you. Mm. So it compelled me to do this. And I think I learned a lot from this experience and just, mm. I didn't have all these talking points. Mm. So it, it challenged me to listen more intently. So mm. it, it allowed me to be more in the moment mm-hmm. and just react more. And I feel like, I'm going to carry that forward. And I don't know why yeah. I felt compelled to tell you that right now <laughs> as if mm-hmm. you, you've changed well, I'm glad you me. feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We should all be getting the best out of each other. You that's know? a good point. And when, you, when you're finding the best in yourself, it, there must be some sort of unseen connection that inspires you to do the same. Because I don't know what just ran into you. And then we go to these open mics and mm-hmm. I'm like, this guy's amazing. <laughs> He needs to be on here. Yeah. How? What is the sauce? You know, so I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thanks for it's, having um, me. Yeah, it's been very fun. It's, this is one of those moments in comedy that, like, that I think is, like, it's one of those tipping points of, like, okay, time, there's, like, a new chapter to start writing. What's the new chapter? The, the self-made approach, mm-hmm. I think. And, like you said, creating that connection mm-hmm. and owning your labor, like, mm-hmm up till now really it's been more of just like i just want to get good at stand-up and then just be on stage and just be cool or what to mm-hmm. a to a degree you know but actually thinking of the further impact you can have with your comedy and just what you can do on your own and i'm on your own i mean putting in the work and labor mm-hmm. but you can't create a tour alone you know mm-hmm. being Loving people. Yeah, you always need other people. Yes. Have you ever seen um, Inside Lewin Davis, the Coen Brother movie? Yes. It's one of my favorite movies, and uh, one of the main sort of lessons that, like, Lewin is, you know, this traveling, like, or he's he's a folk musician in in Greenwich Village in the 60s, and uh, he, he... He's in this sort of, like, creative purgatory where he's incredibly talented, but he's, like... Uh, sort of an asshole and he like doesn't really treat people well and mm-hmm. he's just is stuck in this cycle right and he can't ever me- he can't ever get more success and no one ever n- notices him and uh he f- sort of fails to appreciate all the people that are taking care of him uh and that he he's you can't be narcissistic in this you can't or you you can't think that this is all about you there's all these people that are involved in your life and that are part of your journey and it's you're even if you're up there with your guitar alone even if you're telling jokes um it, you know individually you're connected to all the other people and um every crowd every person you stay with every person that you talk to like uh and these ideas aren't coming from you alone Mm. like uh you went to a school and you had a family and like all these friends and all these people um so yeah we should all try to be as like sort of original and creative as we can be but let's uh let's be honest here all like we're all influencing each other and all sharing knowledge and experience with each other so um yeah, to really appreciate that mm-hmm. and to, um, yeah, to, to be grateful for the other people in your life, you know, and to know that they, like, they've created you just as much as you've created yourself. Yeah, you know? especially your parents. Yeah. 
that do create you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, we came full circle there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you, you've been so generous with uh, information and insight. Before we get out of here, is there anything else you want the world to know or you want comedians advice or is there anything else you want to leave us with? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no. <laughs> no? Great. I, gu- I guess not. Okay. You said a lot. Yeah. I was just... Are you p- pleased with it? Oh, I love this. Okay. Oh, this Good. has been one of my favorite episodes. For sure. <laughs> Done almost 200 interviews. Yeah. This is one of my favorites. So I learned a lot from you. And I know the mm. listeners did, but I always close the interviews by asking the guests, is there anything else they want the world to know? And some people just say no. And some people then add another 20-minute diatribe, sure. you know. So. Well, I'm sort of under the... Um, I'm sort of in the camp where it's like whoever wants to know stuff, they're going to go like curiosity is the thing that should inform it. So Hmm. we can tell each other things, but ultimately the sort of the question and the search has to come from, from you. Do you Mm. know what I mean? So does that make sense? Like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, so yeah, you can't really like tell people things. They sort of have to want to know. Hmm. Boom. Right? Mic drop. So whatever you yeah. whatever you want to know, go figure it out. <laughs> go and it's and don't think you just get to figure it out like instantaneously. It's a long thing. It's a process. Yeah. And it's work, but it's worth it. Yeah. So please please let the hot breath of us know where they can connect with you sure. and support you. And like you said, you like answering questions. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Where how how can they connect with you? Uh y- you could email me directly, Andrew, Andrew Frank Comedy at gmail dot com. Uh, I I have a Facebook a personal Facebook fi- page. Wait, hold on a second. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> we want to reset that. Okay, that's fine. No, I mean we're gonna leave it in, but I just want I want to make sure they hear sure. how they can connect with you. Um, so. yeah, AndrewFrankComedy at gmail dot com is my uh, my email. I answer all my emails. Um, I have a personal Facebook page, Andrew Frank. Um, I have a fan page, but I don't really do anything on it. So I just sort of speak to people more directly. Mm. Uh. So people can add me there. On, uh, and my website is andrewfrankcomedy.com. I have a bunch of stuff on YouTube as well. Um, have, I have an hour that I filmed here in St. Louis in 2016. It's just on YouTube. It's called Andrew Frank Macrocosm. Um, <laughs> Great name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I filmed that when I was 23. Um, it's, it's good. This stuff is better now. Uh, and, but uh, it's, it's up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a bunch of showcase videos and stuff. Uh, so yeah, you can find me there and you could, uh, look at my schedule and just see me live somewhere and we'll talk, you know? Yes. Awesome. Hey, Andrew Frank, thanks for being on Hot Breath, my man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate Woo. it. Yeah. If, did you have fun? I had a lot of fun, yeah. Would you, would you mind looking at the camera and tell people why they should listen to Hot Breath? Why they should? Yeah, let them know who you are and why they should listen to Hot Breath. <laughs> Hi, I'm Andrew Frank, and if you're a comedian or anybody interested in comedy, this is a thing to listen to that is lovely and informative, and Joel's awesome, and uh, I think you can get a lot out of it, um, and it, w- it will make your day better. Uh, it will get you to where you're going. If you're listening to this in the car, or you're walking, some- hopefully you're walking somewhere for the for the sake of the planet. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it'll get you to your destination. It'll get you somewhere in your mind that is a good place to go. Uh, so check it out. Check out all the episodes. Hot yeah. breath. <laughs> you, didn't, you nailed it. Thanks. All right. Andrew Frank, that is all. We'll see you next Monday, Hot breath Averse. Bye, everybody. Peace. Well, all right, Hot breath Averse. Hang out with me in this outro real quick. I have some very exciting news for you. 
But the big takeaway, my favorite part is just Andrew encouraging us to all learn from each other and grow from each other and help each other. So that is what this show is all about. I enjoy helping you however I can. Other listeners love connecting with other listeners. That's why we started the private Facebook group. If you go on Facebook, search Hot Breath Comedy Network. Request to join. Let me know how you found the show. And then you'll be connected with listeners from around the world. Literally, this show has listeners on every single continent except Antarctica. But we're getting on Antarctica. So I appreciate all that you do in sharing this show. That is really how we've been able to grow across the entire world is word of mouth. A lot of people reach out saying they heard about the show just because they were at a, a show and a comic told them about this. They're on an open mic and they're like, hey, have you heard Hot Breath? No, well, you got to check out this episode with Andrew Frank. Or you got to check out this episode he did with Rich Voss or, you know, Roy Wood Jr., Dulce Sloan. I mean, there's, there's almost 200 episodes for you to go check out. So if you did enjoy this, let me know. Connect with me directly on social media at Joel Byers Comedy at Hot Breath Pod. If you do appreciate this show coming into the new year as we are growing this show it's a one-man band right now okay and if you want to maybe support in general you could pick up the comedy special go to joelbyerscomedy.com or go to the link in the show notes even just watch the trailer if you find it funny share it let other people know there's a hilarious comedy special and it's unique there's some behind the scenes going on during the special and you get to see my dog and my wife and my mom and just Ten years in the making, I decided to release a comedy special all by myself, and uh, a listener and fan, Isaac Stackhouse, had a production company, Blind Lincoln Productions. I did his podcast. He mentioned about being able to shoot my special. Boom. Now we have a special. So, And actually, while at the World Series of Comedy, I did a podcasting seminar and got heckled by someone in the audience. I got a little tense, so I actually threw that up on the Patreon for all the Patreon members. Definitely go over there, check that out. You're going to love it. (sighs) I'm getting long-winded today. I guess I'm just super excited about this episode, and I hope you are too. But we'll get out of here. I won't hold you up anymore. I know you're very busy, and you got to get to getting. So I appreciate all your support. It really does make a difference, and I'm excited to connect with you and hear how you enjoyed this episode. So all that being said... Until next Monday, well, you know at the end of all these episodes, I thank my wife. So thank you to my wife, Erin Byers. She made the theme song for this show. She also made the theme song for the Trophy Husband comedy special. Go check out that trailer. Hear it for yourself. And of course, until next Monday, right here on Hot Bread. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.